Welcome to episode four, Inspiring Stories and the Reality of Lockdown. You'll be hearing from Sarah and Leanne. By the way, Leanne's lockdown is way more interesting. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. We have two guests with very different stories. Nina Farr, a single mum with three small boys who all caught COVID the week before lockdown. And Olivia Dunn, a busy working mum and musician who suddenly found herself with a lot of time on her hands. Both women are an inspiration. Let's get started. So, Sarah, tell us all a little bit about your lockdown experience. Well, so we actually locked down a little bit early because we were watching what was going on around the world, well, particularly my husband was, and we have a son at a performing arts school um, near London. Um, so we were worried about him because he was all over London, and so we were worried, worried about him. So we went, actually, well, the royal we, um, my husband and my other son went to pick him up probably about a week before lockdown. Um, and a lot of his friends had been ill with coughs and all of that kind of thing. So we picked him up early and then locked down. Um, I also should explain that I've got a medical condition, so I was already nervous, even though I hadn't been told at that time to shield. Um, what then happened subsequently is in April, I think it was, I did get a letter saying that I was extremely vulnerable and to be really careful, so I was quite glad that I'd been... Um, shielding already so we managed we were quite lucky we managed to get all our food locally um because we subscribed to uh, riverford so there was plenty of fresh food coming into the house and we managed to get some online deliveries uh, and also we then were thinking well this is going to go on for a few months we need to keep these teenagers um well so we decided to ask them what they needed to get through these months and the boys all wanted um, gym equipment so we bought uh, gym equipment mm -hmm. which they used every day and they kept, kept them really well and fit um, and my daughter is really into cosplay which is basically you um, dress up in characters um, so we bought her um, some cosplay outfits to keep her busy and that's kind of how we how we did it and we saw we obviously didn't see anybody but I did download house party google duo and all of that and got really excited for about three days mm -hmm. and then deleted it all again because I found it oh I don't know it was just all a bit much um, but I did start catching up with my Dutch ballet friends from when I, I was brought up in um, Holland and we uh, had some calls and it was really fun and we're still in a lot of contact now and that so that was fantastic my work I'm a yoga teacher my work we we ran a women's well-being event I think on the sometime was like the weekend right before, the weekend it? before and actually one lady had a really bad cough and she contacted me the day before and uh, and I'm very pleased that I made we made the decision that she she also helped make the decision not to come um, so that was basically the last time I worked in the studio and then everything just went to Zoom, uh, which, you know, it was more popular than ever. I mean, my classes were very full. It went really well. And um, Zoom, yeah, it worked really well. And I'm continuing to do that, although I'm doing some work now um, as we ease lockdown. But for me, I've never felt any better 
than in lockdown. I felt I wasn't socialising at all. I was spending a lot of time gardening, walking, and that quieter time, I just felt so well. So I then realised that maybe I thought I was this super sociable person. Maybe I just need to... Sorry, the dog's now drinking water. Um, maybe I need to not be so sociable and spend more time just being at home. And so that was my kind of reflection on lockdown. There was nothing really exciting. And you've kind of enjoyed <coughs> the lack of touch. I've enjoyed the lack of touch and nobody's allowed to hug me, which is fantastic. Because when you're a yoga teacher, everyone assumes you're this kind of huggy, let's spread the love type of person. And I'm about the spreading the love thing, but I don't really... not through touch. Not through (laughs) hugging. It's like, no. So I'm quite enjoying that. There's no awkwardness anymore because people tend to ask, are you hugging or not? And I can just immediately say no and it's not awkward. And it's also quite nice, quite nice not having people coming into my house because I don't have to worry about it, you know, not being quite, I don't know, tidy or whatever. <laughs> not, that, not that I really cared about that. So what about you, Leanne? Because your lockdown was way more exciting than mine. Um, yeah, it was quite exciting. Well, it was, it was up and down. I, saw, I think I started lockdown in disbelief. I had... So, yeah, going back, you know, November, my husband had walked out and I had spent, you know, a good couple of months just all over the place. And then I started to kind of come out of myself again and feel stronger and better. And But really, all I was doing was just getting really busy and distracting myself. I mean, I'd, you were like out every night yeah, doing something. It was, was unbelievable. It was exhausting. Yeah, I was just distracting myself from feeling. I, d- I think I'd done two months of just crying and processing stuff. And I, I was just like... I can't do this anymore it's too exhausting I just need to just have lots of fun and that was kind of my main mission was just do stuff that made that was yeah fun and uplifting so yeah I was out all the time dancing seeing people yeah just and then I'm then I met a um a a friend with benefits and um yeah that kind of was lots of fun to begin with that and then going into lockdown that kind of got a bit messy because um he was on his own and I didn't I felt for him and so I was you know some nights we were on the phone for like six hours like ridiculous just keeping each other company even though I didn't well, I didn't particularly need keeping company because I have lots of kids at home but being the what I normally do is just trying to help other people at the detriment of myself I was yeah, just on the phone all the time, and then I started naughtily sneaking out. I didn't even know that. I thought, <laughs> because I remember talking, because I remember there was like a radio silence, and I, that's really weird. Leanne is not in a good place. Yeah. So well, I remember I contacting you and saying, yeah. oh my God, are you okay? And you were like, well, I'm, I'm no, it's terrible. I'm really not liking it. But you didn't tell me about the naughties. Yeah, well, so the... So the kids up in that point, so everything's quite new, obviously in the relationship, you know, my, my husband going and the kids being away. And before lockdown, it was, they would go away maybe one night in the week and then one night the weekend, not even that sometimes. And then suddenly lockdown came and they were going there for the whole weekend. And in some ways that was great for them because they had a change of scenery. But for me, it was just 
so lonely and just again that all the distractions had gone away so I was really not in a good place and made the choice to get on my bike and um and go over to the to the friend's house and booty to, call booty call yeah and we'll just spend the whole weekend there but yeah the reason I was on my bike was because I had lent him my car because his had he'd crashed his just before lockdown and hadn't managed to get it sorted so I was like take my car because I'm not using it anyway long story short I won't go into loads of detail but then um basically that all ended badly um I suddenly got blocked from his Facebook and it turned out... And he still had your car? Yeah, it turned out that he'd started a relationship with, like, his best mate, which I was really happy for him because they were very suited and, you know, I just want people to be happy and that wasn't really the issue. The issue was more the fact that, like, I'd really trusted this person and it was a massive thing to get in, like, be with somebody else after 18 years of being in a relationship and then it kind of just felt like a bit of a kick in the teeth really to for it to end in that way and that made me really angry and it was interesting because I hadn't when my husband left I ex-husband left I hadn't got um angry at all I just was went into this like very sad place and there were moments when I felt a little bit angry but I never expressed any anger whatsoever but this like piss taking just fueled me and suddenly I then had fire in my belly on one one hand and it made me think right I need to get my fucking shit together but on the other hand I went into this all this other stuff started coming up and stuff from the marriage and stuff from the past and so I spent a good month of lockdown then just um camping in my oh yes I remember (laughs) by myself yeah in my meadow lighting fires journaling processing um dancing and just going within basically and yeah it was really really full-on and I very therapeutic it was very therapeutic I felt a lot of guilt though towards the kids because I just kind of really backed off being a parent I was just doing the basics and luckily my mum and dad were around and my sister and her husband to help with that but yeah I spent a lot of time crying really facing the demons and then out of that came the idea so lockdown then started to ease and then I kind of wrote this program called Beyond Lockdown and started using Zoom for running I had two groups that I was running with that and that's literally only just come to an end uh, so that's been going on for quite a while and that have had some amazing results from those groups people kind of making changes and shifting stuff um, and it's mainly kind of you know looking at looking at values looking at beliefs working out the idea was that people's lives the way they were one way before lockdown and then during lockdown especially the beginning how they kind of enjoy what bits they enjoyed about it what bits they didn't and then how to take the bits that they did enjoy during lockdown so maybe like having more time the family or having more time to be creative or whatever making uh, how to bring that into the life now so how to create space and how to really kind of prioritize all those things that they want in their lives yeah because um, it was a great time for a reflection wasn't yeah, it you could really think about everything. it yeah evaluating yeah. what because a lot of people were you know without like your work stopped didn't it yeah your, well your so, other work your see, physical my massage work. Yeah. yeah i mean and that was the thing i was like everything just felt felt like it had come 
to an end. So I had, you know, my relationships mucked up. I'm not being a very good parent. My work's finished. Yeah. It was all, and I thought, I, you know, at the time I was thinking, how, no one was ever going to want to come back to massage. Why is anybody ever going to want to be touched again? And that was really hard as well because <clears throat> I'm the opposite of you. Like, I'm really tactile and I need touch. And it's, you know, like actually torturous for me not to have that. It makes me feel very ungrounded. And, yeah, I need that kind of physical touch to keep myself here. So, yeah, that was really quite full on. But, yeah, so there've been there's been lots of things that have come out of that, at least. So that's been... The great thing and then I went into this like mad um when I felt a bit better dating things so I had like weird socially distancing dates I started on back onto dating sites and um yeah again can't go into too many details because just in case my kids might listen to things like this but I had one one date we just literally sat in a in a field and had a cup of coffee we went on went on lots of walks and bike rides and yeah, I got chatting to loads of different people, met loads and loads of interesting people online. Um, some of it, some people never, you know, obviously never came to anything, but it was quite interesting listening to other people's stories as well and things that they'd got up to. And yeah, I suppose, well, we're still, we're still in lockdown now, aren't we really? But um, weirdly enough, I have ended up with like, a full-on proper loving relationship and that was really interesting as well because back in November when my ex-husband originally left I went on to Tinder did this whole kind of right that's it I'm gonna go and find someone is that the one where you do swipe left swipe right yeah and I met somebody on there and we were arranged to meet up on a date and then the weather was really awful and I totally freaked out and then I just came off Tinder altogether and just was like I'm not doing that anymore and then skip forward to, well, it must be about six weeks ago now, he was looking for a massage therapist on Facebook and the friend with benefits of all people um, tagged me in the in, on his post and said, you know, go to this one. And then I realised who it was, this, this bloke back from then. So I, I messaged him and said, really sorry for ghosting you back in November, but, you know, if you fancy a massage is a peace offering and he then replied I'd rather a date and since then we've been all in love and yeah so I have a I have a, a love story from lockdown as well I know that's so good yeah so life has been a bit of a roller coaster to say the least and yeah lots and lots of lots have changed so what are the what are the kind of the the positive things that you take away from that time like maybe if you had to think of like a couple of things. What from lockdown? Yeah. Well, I've. I enjoyed just the the kind of freedom of not having like the the pressure off. I enjoyed, all that. But I also I've loved. That month that I had, when I went into the darkness, for better words, was, amazing, and I really needed that. I think that I wouldn't be where I am now. Like you know mentally if I hadn't have had that given had that space to do it and I think that lockdown allowed me to have the space to to, to let me just cry kind of out pro- and, and process. just process yeah yeah because I because think because yeah, you just no. put it off otherwise when you've got work and other distractions yeah, you just yeah, keep yeah. putting it off and it's yeah. easy to just although I had done a little bit work on myself before 
just to completely have the space to do that yeah. was was amazing yeah because yeah, for me the positives were the no demands at all yeah. on my time and uh, and that was i think why i felt so good yeah um and having the time to to spend with the animals and the garden and yeah and and not have those social distractions so yeah. i mean i am definitely being less sociable now yeah and it was nice that, like the, again it's my lockdown was very different the beginning bit was very exciting in some ways because there was there was, I was still distracting myself and when the kids were at home we were gardening together yeah and, yeah i remember that you yeah. had your like one o'clock meeting yeah, yeah. so every day at one o'clock we'd all yeah. congregate outside the front of the house and then everyone would go off and do jobs and yeah or do stuff together and that was really fun <clears throat> so we spent quite a lot of time together then and my son bought be as funny you saying about the gym my son built himself a outdoor gym and sometimes we'd use that that was great yeah there was lots of and we were you know we were lucky for the fact that we let all live communities my sister and her husband and baby and then my mum my dad and me and the and the four kids so it's not that i was ever on my own but still in that month i was very lonely and it was a time that i really kind of felt for single mums who don't have any support during this i don't know how they did it oh no it must have to been. be locked up yeah on your so own hard. with the pressure of looking after other people and, and dealing with your own mental health yeah really really difficult yeah and all i kept thinking is you know so grateful that i have the support around me um because i you know i was struggling and then i just kept thinking how how do people do it i don't, yeah, just don't know no i know well i think i think people some people didn't did they they no. you know they came to came to a point where they just couldn't cope and that you know unfortunately and i think it's also really hard for the for not all teenagers but in our house there was definitely two things going on there were some people really struggling with it and not having any motivation to do anything yeah whereas some of the others were hugely motivated yeah. and and had this whole schedule going so I, we definitely had that and then it was that kind of that difficulty in motivating the unmotivated um mm. but i'm hopefully... kind of looking forward to now they're getting into some kind of routine yeah and school's going back yeah i will miss the kids and i, I you know i hate that kind of rushing around in the morning and all that kind of thing but i th- feel like it's been a long time now without any kind of routine and yeah. I kind of do need a bit of structure now. Well, I think that's what helped me is I did keep with routine. I kept I was still getting up at half six, seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I was still exercising. I was teaching. So for me that routine is the thing because I think if I lose routine yeah. and I end up staying up late and getting up late and eating at irregular times and things like that, I know that I'm going to feel terrible. Yeah. So I did definitely kept that up and, and that's been really good. Very good. Our first guest is Nina Farr. Nina is a leadership coach for Lone Parent. She's also an author and motivational speaker. Hi, Nina. Hello, how are you? Yeah, good. So, yeah, let's crack on. So, um, can you tell us a bit about your lockdown experience? So lockdown for me and my kids started a week before everybody else's because mm-hmm. we developed um, coronavirus symptoms yeah. on March the 15th. So we went into isolation um, a week before the national period of isolation began for everybody. Yeah. Um, and initially it was my two-year-old who got 
poorly first and then mm-hmm. it was me and then my eldest um who at the time was nine and my seven-year-old was asymptomatic yeah but we spent um yeah, it was quite sweet actually to start with we put 14 post-it notes on the wall mm-hmm. because we really believed that you know or I really believed that we would be poorly for a little bit and then 14 days of isolation would be finished and we'd kind of go back to relative normality yeah um, and those 14 post-it notes looked a little bit sad 42 days later when we actually got out of our house mm. because the the coronavirus symptoms were only really the start of it yeah um, I then had a secondary chest infection um and after that uh, my two-year-old had secondary croup and needed steroids um so we were seen in an isolation pod in the hospital and were on standby for him to be admitted to paediatric ward. Um, oh, I didn't have anybody to look after my older children. So we ended up being discharged home for me to manage that um, with kind of paramedics on speed dial. Oh, my God. Um, and, and you're are you ill at this point? Yeah, I was ill. I was ill consistently the whole way through, really. So oh. I, my my experience was that I had the coronavirus symptoms for a solid two weeks yeah about two days where I got better and then I had a chest infection that needed antibiotics followed by um eustachian tube dysfunction which is basically a lot of ear pain Mm -hmm. um followed by a UTI which is a symptom of an immune system that's just not working at that point yeah um and then the chronic pain kicked in with joint inflammation um, shortness of breath continued and um, I have what is described as coat hanger pain so you can imagine where a wire coat hanger would sit across your back yeah and fill in the space in between and there's a fairly consistent severe pain that caused insomnia um, and migraines as well um so yeah, it's been it's been pretty horrendous. Yeah, <laughs> pretty horrendous it's, to say the least. And and obviously, how's this affected you, kind of emotionally and mentally? Um, I don't think I've ever been as close to the edge as I was at the end of that six week period where we were still in isolation. Yeah, um, I remember reading an article about a single parent who had committed suicide. Yeah, at the time, and for the first time in my life really feeling like I understood how that could happen yeah um and I I spoke to my doctor um because at the time they weren't allowing anyone to come in and see doctors in person so I telephoned my doctor um to ask really was I allowed to get any help because at the time people were visiting us on the doorstep to drop things off for the kids to do or things you know like groceries and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but um no one had come in and we hadn't gone out and I just cried and cried and cried down the phone to the doctor. Mm. Um, and she, I think she was quite worried about my mental health at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was quite worried. You know, I spent the last three, da- three days of us not being allowed out of the house. Um, I just yeah. I couldn't stop crying. I was just sat on the sofa. I couldn't do anything. I was beyond the point of being able to cook and clean and entertain the kids. Yeah. Um, it was just desperate. The loneliness of it was just desperate. Mm. Um, but it's hard enough being a single parent, let alone um, in that situation. I mean, it's it's. I mean, you you obviously got through it. I, yeah. I I cannot imagine. 
I cannot. I mean, it's literally my worst nightmare. I yeah, I look back and I have no amazing. idea how we did it. Um, yeah. And their dads, I mean, my, I have three children with two dads and um, both of their dads live a solid 80 to 90 miles away. So mm. there was no question of, you know, kind of regularly splitting the kids between two households because there were travel restrictions in place. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the older two, their dad was working in a hospital and had been redeployed from where he works in anaesthetics to go and work on um, coronavirus wards on standby to be doing intubation and things like that so while we were poorly he couldn't come in and see the kids and then after we got better um, at the time there were no um, there was no official tests so we couldn't confirm that we'd definitely had it or that we were definitely better and my doctor then classed us as highly vulnerable because we were um me and my eldest and my two-year-old were all being prescribed um steroid inhalers and um asthma inhalers and you know there was at that point quite a high risk and a lot of confusion about they, you know, they said we had had it, but they couldn't confirm that we had had it. So we couldn't be in contact with someone who was then working in direct daily contact with the virus as well. So mm-hmm. there was a, a period of 12 weeks in total where my children could not see their dads. So my eldest's um, dad came and drove down from where he lived and, you know, literally sat on the pavement while the kids talked to him through the living room window um, I think that was emotionally difficult for all of us. You know, he really wanted to come in and see them and help. And they yeah. really wanted to go out and give him a hug. And I was desperate for a break, but having to be very disciplined about everybody um, yeah. and not allow them to go out and hug their dad, but still wanting them to be able to see him and talk to him. So I think emotionally and mentally, the the pressure was really quite extreme not only yeah. to cope with the day-to-day um, reality of having three children under 10 and being poorly myself and mm. trying to homeschool them, but also the anxiety that the people that we would normally turn to, so my parents, you know, their other grandparents, their dad, friends, I felt a lot of responsibility and pressure not to put us um, in a position where we could pass on yeah. the virus. So even when it was probably in theory, safe to see people. I felt a tremendous responsibility not to until we yeah. were given the all clear. And what about feeling, because I, I imagine if I started to get COVID, especially then not knowing that so many people actually have got through it. I mean, was there fear like we might actually die? I didn't... Did you ever have those fears or not really? No, I think I didn't ever feel like I was going to die. I think I, think I was very frightened when my two-year-old was having coughing fits that he wasn't recovering from um but I think my particular coping strategy was just a little bit of denial at that point you know I I just wouldn't allow the possibility that we were not going to be okay um until the very very end and that at the point where I had a bit of a mental collapse yeah the children were all well and it was just me that was not coping and at that point I think I could allow myself to not cope because the children had all got better. Yeah. It was me that was not okay at that yeah. point. 
And so what about your work? You do, you know, all this amazing work. What have you, how have you kind of coped with that now? Yeah, so my business is coaching um, other women who parent alone. Mm-hmm. And I particularly work with women who've got experiences of domestic violence or who have um, what I would describe as a very high conflict ex-partner. Yeah. Um, so I work with women who are very often in the process of um, divorce and family court proceedings. And it felt really important to me to not just disappear because of coronavirus, because at the point where we were poorly and lockdown was coming into effect, there was a huge amount of confusion and panic around people who were engaged in family court processes. Mm-hmm. It was very unclear about, you know, could and should children stick to um, child arrangement orders? Could they travel? How did you keep children safe when they were moving between two houses? So. I continued working really the entire period that we were poorly and continued afterwards as well, providing Mm -hmm. um, summaries of the advice that was coming out of the High Court, you know, from the the Lord Family Justice. Yeah. And making sure that that information was available to the women that um, follow, follow me professionally and who work with me individually. But I had to make some significant changes to my business as well, because historically I was working, offering private coaching and I was, you know, working with people one to two hours at a time via, you know, confidential video link coaching. Mm -hmm. And with three kids under 10 at home 24-7, that was just not practical. That's not going to happen. No. So what (laughs) I I did was I spoke to some colleagues who were in similar positions and we really kind of quite quickly brainstormed how we would continue to serve our communities, but do it in a way that our children could be present for. Mm -hmm. And we formed a low cost membership community called the Cluster Mothers, which now provides um, legal support from my colleague, Emma Heptonstall, who is a divorce coach and former lawyer and family mediator, Mm -hmm. co-parenting support from me. Yeah. I'm also a, a parenting educator so I'm qualified to provide behavior support and support my um my mums with child development and yeah. understanding what's normal and when you need to get a bit of help we've also mm-hmm. got Amanda Clare who is a qualified booty yoga booty yoga instructor and um motherhood coach who supports women with emotions and movement and Helen Champion who's a therapist yeah. Um, who can work with children over the age of 11 and adults with complicated grief and trauma. So it was a big endeavour. And the four of us are all pretty badass professionals in our own right. Um, but founding community, founding the, the membership community has been a real labour of love because we needed to create something that was going to be supportive and practical Mm-hmm. Um, but also really affordable you know lots of people have been financially disadvantaged by yeah. this period and they're not in a position to spend you know 80 quid a week on coaching or therapy um, so it was really important to us that what we put together was something that was going to be accessible oh, that sounds, sounds amazing yeah. so how, how do people find have you got a website yeah I have so you can find out all about the cluster mothers if you go to my website which is just www.ninafar.com which is n-i-n-a-f-a-r-r.com and if you click on the work with me tab it takes you to the cluster mothers and there's 
three different levels of membership. Um, one where you get access to all four experts um, and all the weekly community live calls that we do. And that's about £10 a week, £39 a month. Um, but there's also levels of membership where you can work with me to go through the course that I created as well, which is what you'll find in my book, I'm the Parent Who Stayed. I do that live three times a year. And there is now, because we are out of lockdown, excitingly, there's now a VIP option as well where you can join the cluster mothers and do the course and get weekly coaching from me um, in person as well which I'm really pleased to be able to offer again because it's a real passion of mine and I think that as we transition out of this weird period mm. it's just as important to start mm. opening up um, channels of support for transition back to some kind of normality which is not yeah. going to be the same for a lot of people you know normal yeah. has been so interrupted yeah, you just don't know, do you, the kind of the ongoing trauma or kind of mental health issues that will come out of this? Cause yeah. Just... And what, what, what long-term health issues, have you been left with any long-term health issues? Yeah, so I've now been diagnosed with long COVID and I think that this is particularly relevant to anyone who's got a family history that includes trauma. Um, the... The experience of having COVID itself, I don't think would have left me as poorly as I am, if I had been in a position where I could have been supported and had help to look after the children. Mm -hmm. But the um, the long-term effects, what they're now calling long-tail or long-term COVID, to me, um, feels an awful lot like chronic fatigue. And I think there's elements where if you've experienced a lot of trauma in your life, you're particularly vulnerable to this as well. Yeah. You know, it's the, uh, the body-held trauma really um you know the long-term pain the long-term tiredness and the long-term stress and tension um can be expressed through things like fibromyalgia we know that search into the long-term effects of um trauma on the body so when you get an illness like covid is quite traumatic anyway um and affects lots of systems um to then add in not being able to be physically and emotionally supported uh i think it's you know it's, there's going to be a lot of people who've got long-term difficulties as a result yeah right i can hear you need to go i do I my daughter talking about you <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Nina. But, so, yeah. thank you're you. very welcome thanks so much for having me guys all right take, take care. care then bye, bye. Our next guest is Olivia Dunn. She's head of marketing and comms for a management consultancy and also a musician and an incredible fiddle player. Hi, Liv. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you too? Very good. So tell us about your lockdown experience. Okay. Um, oh, there's birds singing behind you. That sounds yeah. lovely. <laughs> Um, so going back to when it all kicked off and we were all kind of wondering what on earth was going on in the world, um, I was, um, not in the best of places, I suppose. Um, there was sort of a lot of, lot of things happening and I, in many ways, um, I was quite quickly furloughed from work, mm -hmm. um, which was a, a big shock to the system because I haven't had that much time off work since I was a kid. 
or school you know so um it was yeah it was all brand new and I was really up for it I was really up for spending more time with my daughter I've got a nine-year-old um daughter can you still hear me something's just gone yeah cool okay great um and uh it just turned into the most amazing time I mean the sun seemed to never stop shining which was great um, I was spending loads and loads of time with my daughter. I threw myself wholeheartedly into homeschooling, <laughs> which uh, didn't last, but um, <laughs> I really enjoyed that. And, um, you know, just being really creative with the curriculum. Um, my relationship was um, sort of had its problems and that whole furlough period was very healing for us. We spent lots of time together. We talked more. We were going for walks and cooking together and playing music together and getting more sleep. And we were just um, reconnecting on a much deeper level that just normal life just wasn't really allowing us. We were both very busy people um, living very different lives. Um, and it was a really good opportunity just to come back together and reconnect mm. and um, and remember all the things that we loved about each other because it's easy to forget about that stuff when, when life's stressful and busy. Yeah. That's good because I've heard lots of um, stories of people splitting up and hating each other during lockdown. So it's nice to yeah. hear. Uh, yeah, I've heard those stories too. And I totally understand because the pressures on everybody have been so different. But for us, it, it it was a good thing, you know, without a doubt. And I think it's, you know, it probably saved our relationship, to be honest with you. And And how was it with the homeschooling? Because my experience of homeschooling was that so... Um, what, I've only got two still at school, but one I didn't have to get involved with at all and they just got on and did it really well. And the other one, I could barely, you know, re- get get them out of bed to do anything at all. So how was that for you? Yeah, it was, uh, to start with, it was great because it was a novelty. She was really up for it. I was really creative with the curriculum. So we were going on Kingfisher walks and we turned into sort of Kingfisher experts. That seemed to be the thing that we got into. Wow. Um, so, I mean, you know, the, the Google Classroom stuff, I sort of took with a bit of a pinch of salt and we did what was absolutely necessary. But it was just an opportunity to teach her the things that I knew um, mm. and also to learn together. So we did a lot of gardening, which I've never done before, really. So we got into veg gardening and sort of making our own compost and all that sort of stuff. Um, and we were listening to music together and I was sort of just sharing some stuff that I know with her uh, and sort of lighting fires under her that. Um, she really enjoys you know we both just really went for nature in a big way went for lots and lots of walks learned loads looked things up you know just it was it was so good in terms of education um, but not in any traditional sense and you know I was flirting with the idea of of homeschooling forever (laughs) but then you know a few months on things things weren't so easy and she lost her motivation I had to go back to work um and suddenly the struggle was real and it all became very difficult. She was she lost interest. I lost my creative edge, you know, yeah. so we were just down to sort of drilling, going through maths and fractions and English. And yeah, it just it totally lost its appeal. And, and I'm sending her back to school next week with a spring in my step. I won't I won't lie. <laughs> yeah, well, I think also they I mean, I think it's also really hard for them, isn't it? Not being with their friends, because I think the that social aspect of school does give kids motivation. Absolutely, yeah. She was very lonely. Um, you know, in, in, in the thick of lockdown when we weren't even allowed to do play dates or anything, she was really missing people. She's got 
um I, I bought her an iPad for her birthday which you know she so she totally lucked out there because she wouldn't normally have got one but I just wanted her to be able to zoom her friends or whatever but she feels the same as we all do about zoom and facetime it, it's okay but it's not the same and she gets mm. a bit screened out so yeah she definitely got lonely but you know we spent a lot of time together and um the other joy was um her big brother, my um my, my other half's son came down to stay with us for the majority of lockdown so that was a really lovely opportunity for the two of those to really bond mm. and they were great with each other you know that he was re- he's 18 and he was he was just so kind and so patient with her and she just completely adores him and looks up to him so it was we got the opportunity to spend time as a proper family for the first time um ever really you know we were spending proper time together and that's all I've ever wanted is that sort of family vibe which our life just isn't like that we're just all so busy and and sort of off on our own missions so yeah it was a gift you know that whole proper lockdown time I really enjoyed it yeah it was lovely seeing the four of you um doing your music together raising was it for St was it St Luke's you're raising money for yeah well we chose different charities each time and we didn't always do a charity one sometimes we just did it um for the just for the crack but we we didn't want people to feel forced into giving money because obviously times were tight but we just we just it was it was my partner's idea we just got on um live stream on a Sunday evening and just had a session and just played stuff that we like playing um for, with no pressure no audience no you know but we kind of forgot that the camera was there to be honest and um we just had a, a nice time and it became sort of a thing during lockdown. Lots of people really enjoyed it and loads of people donated. And yeah, I mean, through that, I think we raised about five, six thousand pounds. Actually more, I think it was seven thousand uh, wow. for various different. Well, it was charities. so popular because I remember watching it. And it was so cheery to watch, and especially like all the generations, because obviously your daughter's still quite small. So it was really lovely to watch her. And yeah. I think she was on the piano, wasn't she? And um, yeah, she had to go. Bless her. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was great and amazing watching you play the fiddle. And mm. uh, no, it was. I thought it was fantastic. And so not only were you doing that, you've also started up a charity during lockdown. Yeah, well, I, I'm. You know, I'm a. I'm a busy person. Like I like to keep busy. And um, and the other thing I learned about myself is if I clear out all the clutter in my life, I can be really industrial and really creative. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I kind of, I'm a, you know, it's a, it's one of those sort of strange dichotomies that I'm a musician, so therefore I should be creative, but I'm not actually creating. I'm just doing all the time normally. Yeah. Um, and so all this space and, and time in my life, I started to, I was writing, I, you know, I like writing and I was creating and I was dreaming and I was coming up with ideas and I was getting really inspired by all the kindness that was being demonstrated. Yeah. Um, it made my, my mental health surge. You know, I just felt really reassured that the human race wasn't completely and utterly just, just destroyed, you know. And and that kind of gave way to this idea of, you know, help helping others and just getting on board this sort of kindness thing. And quite by accident, I just I set up a community group, sort of Facebook response, COVID response thing, um, which really sort of started to go crazy you know everybody was getting on board and doing nice things for each other and looking out for each other and checking on elderly neighbors um and then from that we um set up a community food store which meant that we could just feed the village and 
we were inundated with donations from villagers who couldn't help because they were shielding but they wanted to help financially mm-hmm. um, and I was really successful with a load of funding bids so we ended up with this big pot of money that we could just spread joy with yeah. um, and help people so we did bursaries for sort of hardship bursaries right in the middle of lockdown we were kind of uh, stocking the food store we were just using this money with real kind of excitement knowing that we were actually helping and just doing something nice for people um, yes, and it's yes. contagious like kindness is completely contagious because yes. more and more people were getting on board with this idea of community again which is like not a new thing but we've sort of forgotten about it and um yeah it just magic started to happen and we've just recently sent out 500 pounds worth of school uniform bursaries because we've still got money in the pot that you know we 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 need to keep moving so um so yeah we've um just done lots of nice things with it and so through that raised five or six thousand pounds and it just to me the lesson here is that if you stop and you create space and you think and you use your skills that that you kind of got but you ignore half the time then you know amazing things can happen and it's never just one person either it's always through collaboration and um, and teamwork and you know it's it's been a huge eye-opener for me I mean I never thought that I could achieve anything like that um and uh, but just you know the wheels were put in motion and now this monster has been created which now needs obviously to be um maintained and and I have to say since being back at work the the kind of bubble of lockdown has absolutely burst you know I mean I've sort of back to the juggle back to feeling guilty about not spending enough time with my child back to kind of trying to juggle all the things that I committed to before lockdown and through lockdown I'm a school governor as well so that was going on um and you know I won't lie at that point I had a complete meltdown and I don't know that I can think of anybody through this time that hasn't at one point just completely hit rock bottom Um, and it was it was just my turn to to do that so uh, it wasn't very nice and it's been a hell of a struggle for the last few weeks um, I did take a couple of weeks off work in August just to try and reset so that helped and now obviously the kids are going back to school next week so it feels like the end is in sight and some sort of normality is coming back but what I don't want to do is lose sight of the person that I can be mm. when I strip out the nonsense and the stuff that stresses me out and the the constant juggle um, So and I, and I miss that creativity already you know I want to go back to March and start dreaming again and making new things happen yeah. and playing more music and you know music was a big thing for me because I'm I am a musician on the side of and and although it's not my main income it is an income for me that I rely on and it's also a huge part of my identity so suddenly not being able to gig and I was just pulling gigs out the diary left right and center it was awful you know because I just that that whole part of myself felt like it had shut down so the the lockdown gigs that we did online would, would definitely helped kind of keep that part of me alive yeah um but it's not the same as playing to a real audience you know <clears throat> getting people bouncing so how are you going to make sure to keep that part of you going what you are you like evaluating your life and making changes or is that is it too early at the moment you wait for the kids to go back to school or that's a really good question and that's been on my mind a lot recently um i am waiting for the kids to go back to school yes um i'm trying to sort of keep hold of this feeling inside me that bubbles up with excitement um when I create space in my life and that I've done various things um I've got a sort of toolkit that seems to sort of keep me relatively sane at the moment but out of everything meditation is the thing for me it creates space in my brain 
that I really need and and it used to be the sort of thing that I thought oh I suppose I should do and sit cross-legged and sort of feel all um spiritual but you know that's unachievable when I've got so many other crazy things going on in my day Mm -hmm. but I found a really good meditation program that sort of teaches me how to do it and makes me feel like I'm not getting it wrong all the time yeah and I found it's it's on the calm app um, and it's it's a guy called Jeff Warren and he was recommended to me by a friend um he does a 30-day meditation program which is like it's it's really like I can't stress how much it's changed my thinking already um and it's made me actually look forward to meditation rather than see it as some sort of thing I should make myself do um and it I look forward to that to just creating that 10 minute gap in my day where I can just declutter my thoughts and focus and really connect in with myself and you know and obviously it doesn't always go wrong like I was halfway through uh, meditation the other day and my daughter came in and asked if her friend could have the wi-fi code mm-hmm. um <laughs> you know it, I often get interrupted one way or the other but I just can't stress enough how helpful that's been for creating space in my brain and I think if you create space in your brain you can then go on to create space in your life because you you make more sort of intentional decisions rather than just responding all the time so do you do you have a particular time of day that you do that uh no I mean I I wish I could just do it every morning at you know eight o'clock or whatever but my life just doesn't work like that you know my my diary seems to jump around all over the place and there's various different needs going on in the house um but I snatch that 10 minutes whenever I can get it you know so yeah I you know I would like to get into a routine of it but I know that if I don't do it then I really 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 miss it yeah my brain my brain starts racing again yeah that's really helps Brilliant. Well, thank um, you so much, Liv, for coming and chatting with us about your lockdown experience. That's been a pleasure. Thanks and we for wish having you me. all the luck and I hope that you make lots of space in your life for all the wonderful things that I know you're going to create. Thank you very right. much. Take care then. Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye. If you like this episode, please do subscribe. You can find us on Twitter at women's underscore debate, Instagram, women's mass debate, all one word, Facebook, women apostrophe S, separate word mass, separate word debate.